0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Another Aftermarket Weekly from Remarkable Results Radio. The industry's premier podcast, 2015. Been doing it for, God, eight years now. YouTube channel. Everything's up on YouTube. John Kloosterman. Hey, man. How are you? Doing good, Carm. Doing good. Great. Glad to hear. Director of Operations, West Side Service in Zeeland, Michigan. Yeah? You got it. You got it. Is that in the Upper Peninsula? Where is that? No, we're in West Michigan. So West Michigan. Yeah, lower West Michigan. Lower Grand Rapids West. area. Oh, you're the, gr- oh, I didn't know that.
1: We have five locations, six shops, but in one of the locations, we have a diesel shop on campus and then an auto shop on the same campus.
0: You must have recently grown. We did.
1: <laughs> Last month.
0: <laughs> is that why your hair is getting grayer?
1: I think that's why I have less of it. It's slowly disappearing. <laughs>
0: Well, you're going to be one of the uh, one of the guys who stays uh, dark his whole life, but minimalistically. Less, yeah, yeah, right. Well, good to be here. We're coming to you live from the Dormant OE Fix Studio, and uh, we sometimes call it my Carm Cave. So glad that you is here. Thank you so much to Dormant. Knuckles. We all know our important connection points between the wheel and the vehicle suspension, connecting hubs, bearings, calipers, struts, and control arms. Steering and suspension knuckles often need replacement after collisions, curb strikes, or rust-related issues, and bearings can simply wear out, often after 75,000 miles. Unfortunately, when it comes time to replace a knuckle or a press-in bearing, there's often rust. That can result in hours of labor that require a shot press and risks potentially damaging the knuckle or backing plate. Dorman has created a time-saving solution with their loaded knuckles. These knuckles are complete assemblies that are tech preferred. They are an easy bolt-on solution for difficult bearing and knuckle replacements that save significant time and money for you and your customer. An OE fix is a dormant repair solution you can't get from the original equipment manufacturer. And it means they found a situation where they believe the OEM wasn't giving repair professionals what they wanted, so we fixed it. Everything Dorman does is centered around providing customer value, both in the quality of products and the creativity of solutions. Our engineers and designers, will they go out of their way to save repair technicians time and save vehicle owners money. Replacing rear wheel bearings on some Toyota trucks can be extremely frustrating. The bearing housing often becomes damaged when the old bearing is pressed out or when the new bearing is pressed in. Not only that, but a shop press may or may not be available. To assist with jobs like this, Dorman has developed a 90-plus-minute time-saving solution with their OE Fix pre-assembled axles. These bolt-on solutions eliminate the uncertainty of performing this basic repair with all of the major components, such as the axle, bearing, backing plate, bolts, and seals, already assembled and ready to install right out of the box. Want to learn more about Dorman's innovations? Well, visit DormanProducts.com slash tour. Hey, thank you so much, Dorman. By the way, everyone, Dorman is holding some uh, training at Warminster in Warminster, Pennsylvania, at ATC, the college there. And I'm going to be down there for that, do the keynote on that Saturday, September 23rd. Okay, MSO growth, multi-shop operations. When was the last one you added and how long ago? June 5th was the last one and was this something you built from scratch did you buy someone
1: we bought a existing business that had been in third generation family owned business they had been in business for 72 years a staple of the community great family just time to pass it on they were just the owner was tired we ready to retire and had no family members that were all that interested so they started seeking externally so and that's where we landed so
0: john, john was it a community you wanted to be in it was a
1: community that I'm happy to be in. It wasn't a community that I was thinking that we would be in, but the the community has been extremely positive about our presence and we're doing some renovations. I say some, we're doing a lot of renovations to the building and the town is excited about the change. The building had, had seen better days. So started with paint, some new hoists, new concrete, some stuff like that. So it's been
0: fun. How so, many bays?
1: It will have nine when we're done. They were running out of, they were running out of five bays with three hoists. They did a lot of tire work and a lot of tire work that was flat stalled. They didn't have a lot of need for extra hoists. So
0: sounds like a great opportunity for you guys. It has
1: been, has been. We've had the entire technician team stayed. We are adding a shop foreman is from one of our other locations, the younger guy that's worked his way into opportunity. He's going to carry our culture into the business. And then we brought in a new shop manager and and we're in the process of hiring a second advisor. So
0: let me ask a question about training. I'm big on that. We know that if we're not training constantly and we're, we're investing at least minimum 40 hours in a technician, you, you go to an acquisition like that, you said that three of the technicians are staying. Do you ultimately look at their ASCs, do, do you ask them what training they have recently been to, or if not recent in the last couple, three years, and then decide where you need to take that training, the training for that team?
1: What we do to start is we take those technicians and we bring them into our other stores and they spend a minimum a week on end with our shop foreman in other locations, learning how to use the system learning our DVIs, the processes, the steps we take. It comes down to a verbiage that they're using in the DVIs. And then from there, then we start figuring out, okay, is this individual go into our apprentice program or are they capable of moving into the secondary pay plan? Is this someone that's potentially a shop foreman down the road? We start dictating that. Certifications are great to have it to see as a starting point. Until you have a body of work in front of you, pretty hard to pretty to understands what they're capable
0: of. It sounds pretty smart to be able to, you know, have someone shadow someone. You can, ass- they can assess and figure out who you are and you them. You mentioned something, secondary pay plan. That got me curious.
1: Yes, it's a step program. So from our apprentices, our apprentices are all hourly. Once they get through the apprenticeship program, there's some criteria that they have to meet for that program. Once they complete that program, they can move into a hybrid, I'm going to say flat rate for better, or for lack of a better or word, but they move into a hybrid flat rate plan that gives them the opportunity to control their own pay, but still keeps their base where they were at an hourly wage intact. So they don't go backwards, but they have the opportunity to go forwards. And that's what drives a lot of these guys to take the next step. As part of that, they have to continue their education. They have to continue their certification. There's hours that are required for training each year.
0: I love it. Salary combo hybrids. I'm hearing all of that lately as many people just do not like flat rate, but then that's an argument that we can have ad nauseum amongst the entire industry. You you hired great people. They stick around a good retention rate.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty proud and I don't even want to say this. We are seven, eight months into the year. Seven full months into the year, we have this exact same team that we started with on January 1st, other than adding people for the new locations. And last year, we lost one person.
0: So you're chasing David Asquith for his retention rate, I bet. I'm not sure what
1: his is, but I am definitely trying. Whatever he's doing, I'm, we're, we'll try.
0: We'll I think my 80s, we'll to 90s. Good for you. You should be so darn proud of that. Uh, you mentioned Apprentice. I, is this a legitimate Apprentice program that you have?
1: Yes, yeah, it's an internal apprenticeship program, but when people come on board, it's something that we have paperwork for. We have a tool fund that is part of that because a lot of these apprentices are coming in with very limited tools. And early on, we found out that it's extremely frustrating for experienced techs who have a lot of money invested in the tools to be sharing with young technicians who really don't understand or comprehend the expense or the investment that these older technicians have put into those tools. So we started a tool fund. There's criteria that revolves around that. They're matched with a master technician in the location that they work in. There's checks and balances down to... We even have a a digital photo template on our DVIs so that these apprentices know exactly how many photos need to go into each part of the DVI. A digital
0: photo template. Help me with that.
1: Most of us in the industry are familiar with the DVI. The perk of that is you can take pictures and present them to clients. And
0: Are you basically saying, listen, when we take pictures in this particular category on chassis, this is what we're looking for? So they have an idea of what we want to consistently produce for the client.
1: We're trying to deliver the exact same format to our advisors every single time. There's nine lines, which tells each line. Goes by a category on the vehicle, and that category dictates how many pictures, whether there's good things or bad things. We're still taking pictures in these categories. That way, even if I have a high school kid here who's here for the summer, we're getting this exact same collective pictures and format when it hits the service team as my season's technicians.
0: You just hammered that really important C word consistency. And yeah, you're right. You're bringing on fresh blood in your growing organization. And how do you create a consistent DVI so that your service advisors aren't rocked every time they see something and then they have to backtrack or could you take another picture how am I going to sell this? It's beautiful. So service advisors, by the way, if you've not noticed that John and I are just talking on the, you know, fireside chat and having coffee. So it's kind of like wherever this thing goes, hopefully you're having some fun just, you know, listening to what we're talking about. Service advisors, are you listening to their calls, getting them training?
1: We are. We don't audit as much as we should, but it has been growing emphasis on what we're doing right now as a leadership team. We do a lot of audits, repair orders, consistency with setting urgencies, shopware so that you have the capability of setting urgencies, down to the verbiage and how the labor looks, the amount of pictures on each repair order. We want our client's experience to be as consistent as possible from one shop, not only from one shop to the next, but from one visit to the next so that they know what they're getting when they come into our repair facilities.
0: When we talk about labor at our counter on the phone as we're selling a job, do we say labor or do we just say service?
1: Service. Service. So labor in a lot of clients, I would assume this is probably a conversation that would be great to have with a client, but labor dictates a labor rate at that point. And we're providing a service. We're providing a whole package. We hate breaking down our repair orders into line items deals because at the end of the day, we're creating an experience and a service. And making sure that we're taking care of these customers' needs, labor is just a portion of it.
0: it, it labor in my mind, and uh, listen, I've in the last week I'm really hot on this topic. So when I, you know, get off camera with people off mic, I've been challenging was in our Independent 20 group this morning at breakfast, and I just challenged the, the whole thought that it's the conception that the customer hears the word labor. And they look around, they're looking for a chart that has your number up there. And if they hear the word labor, they say, Oh, well, that means if I find a shop with a lower labor rate, this job may cost me less. Totally untrue. When we add labor, it's almost like quantifying that it takes so much time to do this and you're going to pay for that time. Instead of saying, Listen, this is the service. We're doing a timing belt. Here's the belt. It's the service done. We get out of that paradigm of labor has a value or labor has a number.
1: You talk about the labor chart because we just had in our one of our leadership, we just talked about if the fact that if clients, they really wanted to know a labor rate, they'd be walking into stores asking for effective labor rates, not the door rate.
0: <laughs> oh my God, that is so perfect. Well, he says, your labor rate's at, you know, 159, but effectively, hmm, I need to charge more then. <laughs> yeah. I'm so
1: I mean, if they're looking for a consi- consistent rate that they're based on their experience over the next two years, that's what they should be asking. A lot of times they come in asking for a labor rate. It's because a lot of times I, I don't think that clients know what else to ask. They don't. So that's why they ask then, how much. Yeah. And that then it goes back into the training that you're referencing, and our teams need to be trained to curb those conversations to get the true issue out of the client, not. Whether or not the labor rate is higher than they want, it's feared.
0: So, you know, I believe plumbers and carpenters and electricians all have a labor rate. I do, but you never see it on their invoice. Why we are so legislated from, say, states. In New York State, you have to say the word labor on the ticket. I mean, it's just, it's old. It's a hundred year old mentality. And even though maybe we have to conform to the law, if they ever actually go to court, look at that invoice, find that you didn't say it right. But we need to figure out how to, on our point of sale systems, to say labor slash service so that we can get that paradigm shift. Uh, and you may want to look, find out if that could be done. Extremely interesting. Um, professionalism. How hard are you guys working on that? The, the, the whole image of the company, you know, the good feeling about coming to work at a professional place.
1: We spent a lot of time on that. A lot of the stuff that we're spending time on is based around a lot of different things. With culture and training, professionalism, and I think a lot of those things are all tied together. A lot of clients' experience is dictated by professionalism. Your perception of professionalism from the outside looking in, I think that the biggest difference from the independent garage to the dealership is when you go into the dealership, people expect it to be more expensive because you're going into these large facilities. I mean, everyone's in uniform; it's a very professional atmosphere. The independent side we need to work really hard to get there because our industry has been a lot of the other side. And I think that's what's setting apart some of the premium service centers from the mom and pop shops of old, I guess, is the best analogy.
0: You are so, so right. Another dialogue from earlier today in our 20 group was the shops that don't practice a level of professionalism continue to pull down Our collective image, the language we use, the the paint we have on our walls that have been updated at least every two or three years, right? Uh, You know the quality of the furniture that we have, the, the fact that we have a refrigerator that says complimentary waters and sodas, and not having people to guess that I have to pay for that. The professionalism is: let me communicate with you in the most open way. Everything is transparent as we possibly can, including the uniform that I have, the lights that are out there the grass that doesn't grow between the cracks of my parking lot. Stand out at the front of your buildings, not during the day, but just in the morning or at night. Take a, a hard look, take some pictures, zoom in, which you rarely do, and walk through the entire place. I can't tell you how important image and professionalism is going to be to our future.
1: If you stand outside of a repair shop and all the garage doors are closed and you have an opportunity to with a service individual in the front room, based on that experience, you can pretty much guess what kind of vehicles they're working on in that that back garage that you can't currently see. Because the more professional you bring yourself, the more opportunity to work on professional kept cars. And that's something that I think that the other side, some of the other sides of the industry doesn't really understand or maybe get, is that the higher you hold yourself, the more clients that you're going to get that also hold themselves in the same
0: category. Absolutely. Uh, here's a great analogy. You talk to a, cus- a client as if they were a Euro owner. Expensive or, you know, Lexus, Benz, BMW, and you only work on the domestic three. And that's what's in the base. But they feel like, I bet you if I look in there, I'm going to see some really high-end vehicles. that look over the right. glass. That's how you treat them. That's how they feel. You, if you Even if you're not a high-end Euro shop, act like one, look right. like one. Perfect, perfect
1: standard to hold yourself
0: to. Hey, guys, we're talking to every customer as if they own the top-end Lamborghini. Okay, I'm going a little deep right now. Any of your shops big enough to have a dispatcher?
1: We don't have a an individual that only dispatches. Our service managers dispatch in every location. We run extremely lean from the front to the back. And our service managers are also working advisors and they dispatch and they're running all the time, but they dispatch with the support of the shop foreman in the shop.
0: Do you have a shop foreman? We do. And the shop is the shop foreman working with the service advisor on maybe how to shuffle when you have to?
1: When needed. I mean, we have some teams that we don't really need to do any type of dispatch because they've been working together for so long that it just flows. No... yeah, who's going to work on what job by the time it's sold. Other ones, they're still growing into that relationship so you have a lot more communication between the service manager and the shop foreman in those in those areas. We're set up where our shop foreman are responsible for the apprentices, but they're also responsible doing about 95% of the electrical work that or diagnostic testing whatever you want to reference it as. They are responsible for about 95% of that. So there's a lot of communication on the front end. But then once it gets past that to a point where the work is sold to a client, at that point, runs right into the same types of lanes in each one of our locations.
0: You mentioned, God, maybe 10 minutes ago, effective labor rate. Is that one of your most critical KPIs?
1: The one that we watch consistent, not one that is on the top of our list.
0: So, Really? Where is it? Is it like number eight out of 10? I would say at? it's
1: probably in the six to seven range.
0: Six to seven, um, yeah.
1: Once you get in a rhythm as a repair shop, that will stay pretty consistent unless you make drastic changes. Until you get into a window that you're happy with, I think you can make tweaks to get yourself there the type of work you're doing, the type of jobs you're selling.
0: So your productivity is pretty strong then, obviously.
1: Our productivity is really high, and especially this time of year. I mean, in the winter months around here in Michigan, we get a little bit quieter around here, productivity drops off, but our more mature shops run fairly high productivity numbers. so
0: Good for you. What's your number one KPI? So we watch three things
1: in each location that's fairly consistent, but the one that we watch the most consistently is average opportunity. It ties the back room into what the shop foreman are presenting or delivering to the front room and what they have to work off of to sell. The, the service team has to sell off of. Our inspections run right into that and our shop foremen are responsible for delivering inspections that can keep the service team in their window for their average opportunity or average estimate.
0: The SA has the most responsibility for that or both the inspector and the SA?
1: It's a team effort. Got it. They're both responsible for that, delivering that together as a team.
0: And so are you taking what they found on the DVI and what they sold as that opportunity factor?
1: So it's the average opportunity is gonna be what they found on the inspection, it's the next step is what are they quoting and presenting to the client? That's the number we're looking for. I believe if your team is trained well, that your close ratios will be very consistent from shop to shop. But what we're supplying the advisors in order to present to the client comes from the, the technician team. What kind of inspections are they doing in the back room? Are they consistent? Is it something that we can present to a client and it's not confusing The sale is not just something that happens in the front counter. It starts in the back room. And our we spend a lot of time with our technicians and especially the apprentices on specific verbiage we're using in these inspections, what kind of pictures to take, the angles at which we're taking them. Nobody thought five years ago, even probably, that we'd be spending time training people how to take pictures. It's just dumbfounding that we're there, but it's become a huge asset to our delivery system, to to our clients.
0: How do you factor deferred work or do you, do you manage it? Do you look at it? Do you hunt for we, it?
1: We do follow up with it. Probably not as much as we should. It's something that we need to explore more, but right now we don't have, really have a true process for it. It's more or less as our shops start to tail off, we start re-exploring yeah. that and start sending out email emails with that deferred work.
0: So, Rainy day opportunities, right?
1: Yeah. We have something that we've Built that has five points that we're watching consistently that our service teams can control regardless of car count or revenue. They get scored in their audits on their repair orders or their tickets. They get scored on phone answer rate, email capture rate, items that they can control regardless of the time of the month, how busy the shops are so that we can consistently providing the same type of service to our teams.
0: They almost they sound like duties to me, John. I mean, just the, the proper way to engage the customer into the process, into the company. I mean, phone answer rate, email capture rate, all of that stuff is don't ignore the most powerful thing you can do, and that is to communicate transparently to your team and to your customer.
1: And, and a lot of the stuff that we've talked about today, professionalism, the apprentices, the MSOs, or your growth as a company, it all comes down to people and how are they trained and how do they feel? And, and that can be either your internal team member or that it can be the external client. At the end of the day, how people feel about your organization is the most important key when it comes to, because I mean, if you don't, people that are, aren't are coming back, I mean, then it would, you're not going to have anybody
0: to serve. I would be so upset as a service advisor, really going all nine yards for a client or a, a customer who you want to be a client and, and you don't see them. You, you thought you just bought yourself through everything that you did. They found a home. And they don't come back. They were testing you and you didn't pass the test for whatever reason. And I imagine it hurts tugs at the heart.
1: Most of the time, you you don't know why either.
0: So where are those follow-up calls? you do any, you know, three or four days after the... I mean, it it sounds like you run so lean that no one would have the the time to even do that. But anybody back at the headquarters could call the top three uh, of every store in the last three or four days? We have
1: service managers that spend time calling specific clients with specific individual issues. They're basically taking notes monitoring whether or not this person dictates a call in a few days. And it's not the same timeframe all the time. It might be we recharge the AC in this vehicle. We want to do a follow-up call in a week. Just double-check that, hey, this is your AC still working. And so they're doing stuff that's specific to some of the repairs, but also based on the circumstances of the experience that they had with that client.
0: It seems to me, if you brought the team together and you said, we're looking for one more thing we can do that no one else does, you know, that's that has nothing to do with fixing the car. And that would be quality follow-up, a caring call. Ooh, how about that? Write that down. Caring a call. Call. Caring, caring call. Caring call. A I caring like that. call. I, you know what? Every once in a while, these things just plop out of this gray matter up here. And caring call, Carm Capriato, CC. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> You got to figure out their Carm. A caring call. Who made, uh, how many caring calls did you make today? And that is, I'm calling you because we care to know. Car still runs the way it should. We really enjoyed uh, you coming into the shop. And maybe the caring call is with first timers.
1: Yeah. They check in some of those to their list. We don't have a specific criteria for those calls to be made. They just know based on the experience and s- circumstances, new customers, one of them. We have great service managers and i am and, we trust them to take care of what they need to, and they do a great job with it. So,
0: uh, John, thank you so much. I always love chatting with you. you. You're so damn well-grounded, and you know what's going on over at Westside Service in Zeeland, Michigan, western part of Michigan near Grand Rapids, right? You've got so five locations, six shops, and a lot of good stuff going on with you. So, hey, thanks for being here. And I, I'm sure you as a listener learned something here. Listen to learn just one thing, and I'm sure you did. So now, go out and take that idea and get it done. Thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it, Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the Premier Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Until next time...